Welcome to Talking Heart Ranting. My name is Alistair Field. And I'm Greg Smith. You've dropped in on our current topic series, The Struggle to Be a Good Manager. And today's episode, The Leader. The Leader. The Leader of the Band. I'm thinking of another song that pops in my head. Last week, I think I was thinking of Johnny Cash. You were last week, that's correct. But there was, what's the, isn't there an old like 60s song, The Leader of the Band or something? You're a little bit older than me, so I might not really <laughs> you know, identify with that, so I'm not sure. Okay, I had an embarrassing moment. This is not, has nothing to do with this, but I was on a uh, conference call today, and they were all young people. And they were calling out names on the Zoom. There was like 30 people on. And I said, this feels like Robber Room. <laughs> And there were crickets. <laughs> so I had to explain. I said, well, actually, it wasn't my generation. It was my generation before, where it was a TV show. And this woman would would look into the camera and say, I see Johnny. I see Bobby. And there were still blank faces. It was saying, well, I, I, I'm not going to. I'm not. Romper room references are no longer a part of my language. <laughs> it was a bit of a flop, was it? It was a bit of a flop. But it was kind of. I love flops. So, you know, it's funny. It creates a good situation. Yeah, and we might as well say it, like, you went and purchased some nice chairs, like, folding chairs, and, like, it's a new experience now. We've renovated the the, the, the studio. <laughs> <laughs> the renovation of the studio is for uh, our two new um, uh, folding chairs from Costco, uh, which are padded seats and padded backs. They're upgrade. very comfortable, very comfortable. An upgrade. I hope we can still... And not as noisy. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true, and I hope I hope we can still stay focused because you know at the end of the day, and with comfy <laughs> comfy chairs, we just but you might hear some snoring, folks. But uh, yeah. uh, you, you know. might drift off. <laughs> Maybe. <Okay. No. laughs> Very comfortable though, Greg. Wise Thanks. investment. Well, you know what? There we go. I uh, will I will pass on the message of set that that it's been accepted. It was an excellent purchase. F- fantastic. All right, let's uh, move on here. Greg and I have been friends for a long time. We've both been managers for various periods of time. We both benefited from other people assisting us in our management development. In every episode, we're going to discuss a situation where we and others have missed the mark. We're often going to start at the employee. We're going to discuss how we have observed others successfully manage these situations. And we're always going to have an underlying theme of a good discussion. And uh, I don't think we've ever not had a good discussion. I agree. I agree. And, uh, you know, we're just full of all kinds of experiences, both things that we've done well and things that we haven't done well and things that we've seen that done well and things that we've seen not done well. So uh, after a certain number of years, you have so much uh, information in your head. There's always good examples on both sides. And it has to come out at some point. It does. It does. So the leader. We have been talking a lot about managers and leaders, and we're going to take the opportunity to talk about what the perfect manager or leader would be. But first, let's talk about the top three things that uh, separate us from having a good relationship or a good working relationship with our manager or a leader. And Greg, I'll let you go first. Mm, This is, you know, this is interesting. One, because I just read this script uh, about two minutes before we started. And okay. Because you read last week's script. I did. I did. <laughs> it was a busy day. I've been going since 7 o'clock this morning, so that's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, the I, So the top three things, this is really interesting. I think number one is ego. And so, what you know, like, oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm thinking of I've had the great opportunity to work for some amazing people, but I can think of three leaders that I had in my career, and the first thing that got in the way was their ego. They were, uh, they thought they were great. They thought they were much better than they actually were. 
And they, as a result of that, uh, as of this huge ego, and ego isn't a bad thing. I actually think it's good in many aspects when people have some confidence going forward, but when they're overconfident and in combination with really thinking they're better than everybody else, it creates this, this vacuum of space that just shuts everything out. So I would say number one is ego or an overinflated ego, I would say. The second thing is absence. And, uh, <laughs> I've had a couple, uh, I had one leader that, that, uh, I was really excited about working for. And when I joined, they were gone for the first three weeks and never told me. Now that in itself wasn't too bad because I actually got a real lay of the land and that type of thing and discovered some things. But I thought really strange that, you know, that, that really excited about kind of bringing me in and kind of putting it together. And the person then was gone on an extended vacation for three weeks. And I didn't even know it just, it just seemed I'd like a disconnect. Um, so words and commitments didn't hit where it was. So that's just that absence. And um, it was the other thing. And the third thing is, I would say, and it might hook a little bit with ego, is um, anger. There were a couple folks that I worked for that just had this intensity. And it's like they felt that uh, anger and uh, intensity was going to motivate people. And they would do things like like uh, just, just kind of slam doors. And they thought that the way to motivate people was to be tough and to be... Uh, old school, man. Old school. And it's just like, oh my goodness, do you not get it whatsoever? Now, sometimes you got to be tough, but there's a way to be respectfully direct and going forward. So ego, absence, and anger... Uh, are my three things that really are the worst leaders uh, that got in the way of, because bo they all destroyed relationship. You never knew what was going to happen to show up. Uh, and you knew that it was all about them and not about you whatsoever. Those are three good ones. Yeah. You know what? I, I think you should just ask me the questions off the cuff more often because, you know. The answers give, are better. <laughs> give me time to think and they're not as good. No, no, that's good. That's good. Uh, my three... Uh, in no particular order, but number one is being ghosted. I don't know what your experience is, Greg, but I, and it, over the course of my entire careers, there's been periods of time where my boss is like, no meetings, doesn't show up for meetings, just nothing, no input, no nothing. Uh, uh, like it's in one occasion, it was five weeks of mm -hmm. meetings being blown off. And it's like, of course, your mind goes to that place and you're going like, I have stuff. I need to action. I need to show things. I need to talk about things. Uh, uh, I don't like to be micromanaged, but I do like, you know, regular periods of time where we do talk. And so I can say, this is what I'm doing and get a final okay if that's required or just notification that I've done something. And it's happened in a bunch of different situations and I like it. I, I, I think no matter how busy you are, you can scratch out five or 10 minutes. Hey, listen, I know we have a meeting tomorrow. I'm, I'm away. Um, you, you wanted to run something by me? Oh, okay. You know, those types of things. And I, I think it's just crap. You need to manage your time. And sometimes, we talked about it a few weeks ago. Sometimes you have to take a look at what you're doing and say, what's chewing up my time? And do I even need to do it? And, you know, your people are your best resource. So make some time for them. So I've been ghosted a, bu a bunch of times by a bunch of different people. And it's like, it's crap. Yeah, you know what? Uh, 
That that almost sounded a little bit like a, a rant, I would say. Uh, very close, very close. <laughs> very close, I'm just saying. One of my buddies actually, uh, I posted on LinkedIn one of our one of our uh, one of our episodes, and he and my one of my buddies, and actually he's one of the folks that we'll talk about in the best managers. Sent me a note, said, "Yeah," he said. But Greg, sometimes it's good to just have a good rant. And I said, "Yeah, well, we get pretty close sometimes." But that I agree that ghosted aspect, like I mean, it's just disrespectful. And um, I was on a conversation today with a group of folks, and we we're talking about culture. And you know, they said one of the biggest things that that they that would shift the culture is the, is if the leaders showed up. And if and and by showing up, what they meant was. Uh, uh, leading in by example in their behaviors, uh, but it also meant with just being present, like carving out the time to walk the halls in the cases of of when they're when they're in there, or pop on meetings and just say, "Hey, folks, I'm we're jammed right now, but I just want to come and say hello and check in quickly." Just and little, have a good and have a good conversation. Just little things yeah. like that. Uh, to your point, like where can't you find five minutes? Like you, there make we, a little bit of an effort. We're yeah. always wasting time and efforts into other stuff, and this is a good use of time. So I agree. I think that's a great one. Being ghosted for sure. And number two is I've worked in a number of situations where the level of management above me. Uh, what, there was a lot of discord. People didn't get along, and it's happened in a bunch of different organizations. I don't think it's unique to me. And those situations are a little disheartening. I'm always going to work. Uh, I do like to get some input and tell people what I'm doing. I don't need every day or every week to hear from people. But I certainly want to feel comfortable that uh, the people above me are getting along and talking amongst themselves so that we can all work as one kind of group to you know, solve a problem or make something or whatever it is. And I've worked in a bunch of different places where – for a period of time, there was discord amongst the people above me, and it makes you uncomfortable because you're in a room with one or the other or somebody else, and and you just know you know their, their subordinates are feeling it, and it, it's a little uncomfortable. Like I'm always gonna, you know, even if we you and I had two bosses that didn't go along, I'm always gonna reach across the table and get done what mm-hmm. I need done to you. Mm-hmm. Like it's just gonna happen. Yeah, you, know, you and I have been around long enough that we're just gonna get stuff done, right? Right. But right. I've had a number of situations and. I remember having a conversation with one person. I said, I, I didn't know you had that job available. Uh, I would have loved to apply for that. And the person said, well, I don't, I don't get along with your boss, so we don't poach each other's people. I go, it's not my problem whether mm-hmm. you get along. Mm-hmm. But you know, somebody from the outside took a position that myself and probably a few other people would have loved to apply for. It was a really interesting job. So there's times when you know, it's just awkward and we don't all get along, but we do have to work together. And if you have a problem with somebody, somehow you have to reach some kind of consensus and figure out how to make it work. Because the people that work for everybody, they just want to work. Yeah, yeah. And get it right, because the ripple effect of something like that Mm. is huge. And the other thing is that often, so many people are wasting so much time because the effort of cleanup or... Or, or cover up or whatever missteps, missteps yeah. you know, that, that people are below you trying to kind of figure out to balance it off. And, and even when you think it's not getting out, it's getting out. If you, you know, like figure it out, you don't have to, you don't have to go on vacation with your, your folks, but in the senior teams or the next level up teams, you know what? Figure it out. I spent a lot of time helping people understand each other and work more collaboratively because there's tons of data that talks about the 
the reduction in performance due to disconnect at the senior level. And people aren't stupid. They sense the tension. They Uh. know when things aren't settled and that there's competing views and competing personalities. The troops know. Right. And you know what? The person who was ever at the top of the house of that, they're they're responsible because they own, if they're seeing disconnects in their team, is to either get the resources to put it forward or model it because you can't allow that to happen. They don't always see it, though. No, they don't. They don't. But it's, uh, it's, it's yeah, it's I agree. That's another good one. And the third one is uh, when the person above you or the leader has poor communication skills. You and I have both seen people like this. We've seen people that have off-the-chart communication uh, skills, but there's people that just don't just don't know how to do it. And uh, this is one of these things that when you get into a position of authority, you have to tackle this to cert- some certain degree and take a course or get a mentor or do something. But there are a, a number of people out there that are just terrible at communications. And when you take on responsibilities, take on groups of uh, employees, you have to figure that out somehow. And people are very generous. As long as you're trying, people will meet you wherever you are. Mm-hmm. But if, if you just don't have those skills, it's really difficult to run a, a group of people successfully. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have, uh, you know, if they're not good, then then find someone who is good. You know, I you know, we talk so much in this podcast about know yourself and know what you're good at and know what you're not good at and then bring the resources in to help you get good at it. So I have known a couple of leaders that were not, like they're just painfully bad at this, but brilliant in other spaces. And, and that's o- why they were pr- promoted and put in that spot. Right. right? But, but often what they'll have is they'll have an amazing EA uh, or a second in command who is fantastic. And they're just open with it and say, you know, this is not one of my gifts. But here are the three things that are really important. What do you think are important? Now, can you craft it and help us communicate this in a, in a, a meaningful, impactful way? You don't have to be an expert in anything. You, you, what you do need to do, though, is if this isn't something good, because it is critical to your point, you need to acknowledge it and you need to surround yourself with someone who's really good at it. Um, and then just be honest, you know, folks, I'm not that great. So again, this one person that's leaping to mind was significant introvert a very kind person, but was also a brainiac and would dive deep in the specialty that he was, a, he, he, it was a he, he was amazing at it and created some amazing products and, and uh, content, but he was hopeless at doing it. And people knew it, and to your point, that people are forgiving if you own up to it and you have resources. It's about just making sure the information gets to people. You don't have to be the one who does it. When I... Uh became a sergeant in the police. So as a sergeant, as a uniform sergeant, you'd be on the road and sometimes you're responsible for what 30, 40 people are doing. Mm. And you you go to all the major crime scenes and if there's misconduct, that's your job. Mm. And it's a very fluid situation. Great job, especially if you, have, if you have a really good platoon or team. When I became a sergeant, they sent us on a, on a management course and it was a, a like three-week course. And two of the days early on was a communications lab. And they brought these two people in and they did a fantastic job. And whether, you know, it made you really aware of how important communication was. Mm. They gave us some basic tools. It really took me back to um, going to school for social work. It was that good of a course. Mm. 
And the people that had the right attitude going into this were listening to what these people were saying and they were giving us tools, they did exercises, you know, you know, just emphasizing how important it is that you're able to communicate with people. Not only tactically when you're on the road and things are happening and we need to make sure everybody's okay, but also you know, on the admin side when you're back in the station and people need holidays or they're sick or whatever's going on, the normal things that happen in, in, a, in a business or an organization it was such a good course. And what I liked, it was early on in that three-week course, just showing how important the police mm. service thought it was that the, these you know frontline managers, if they didn't get all the skills they needed, at least they were aware of how important it was and that this was something they had to build upon. Wow. You know, that's amazing, first of all, that they did take that, that, that or committed to that. Because I would imagine a platoon, if you've got 30 folks... They're in different cars and different spaces in in whole. They don't kind- even start at the same time. It's wild, right? Right, and and all kinds of complex, difficult, charged situations, and you needing to keep um, uh, connected in that space. That that is super critical. My goodness, it, and it was a good course. Like I'd already been to school for social work. I'd already worked in a group home. Um, whatever my communication skills were. I at least, you know, whatever that level was, I knew how important it was that this is something I had to continue to work on mm-hmm. and have these conversations. Mm-hmm. And even when people didn't want to talk, just spending time uh, having a decent conversation with somebody, you know, especially in a highly dynamic situation with people that have a lot of authority mm-hmm. and a lot of power over mm-hmm. other people, it was just really important to grasp the importance of it. It was a really good course and whatever your your uh, level of uh, skill in this area was, you knew that there was a next step and how important it was to take that next step in your skills. So good. So Greg and I have kind of thrown around some ideas and this is kind of what we appreciate from a manager or a leader uh, from our personal experiences, kind of the wish lists or the things that we've appreciated from people in our past. And uh, we'll just start off and, and Greg has, I don't know if Greg's made it to this part of the the program, but uh, I've given him permission just to throw some stuff in wherever he needs to. But uh, uh, the first one, uh, I think it's all on this, the subject matter we've been talking about already is you need to be approachable. Yeah. Yeah. So my favorite example of this one is, is he's a good friend of mine. And uh, if he's listening, Phil, you were amazing at this. So Phil is that first of all, he has was, Phil been on our, he has not, uh, he has not. Oh, we might have to give him an invite. Yeah, yeah, it might be a good. He, yeah, you he, can tell me whether we edit this out or not. But well, go ahead. yeah, no, no. Phil is the one who said uh, you got to rant every once in a while, and uh, so he has a good sense of humor. But Phil is an introvert, and he was the president of the organization. And I remember starting. People were just struck by Phil because Phil, being an introvert, the two things that jumped in my mind that really jumped out about approachable. Uh, we had a manufacturing facility right beside us, and Phil was one of the first early on to put on the whites and go out and work in the plant. He was out there all the time and walking the plant, sometimes shoveling food into in the plant, um, asking questions, being curious. Um, and, and so that was one thing that he did. The other thing that he did, and I just talked to someone recently, uh, about this is we had early Fridays 
and he would love early Fridays. Oh yeah, we we had a pilot going on at Campbell's Canada for six years. <laughs> pilot, a pilot for six yeah, yeah. years because the global. I don't the global weren't that interested in the pilot, but we had huge engagement issue, uh, huge huge engagement um, numbers. Sign me up, Greg. Right, exactly. But Phil would walk, leave at uh, twelve o'clock, and walk through the office and say goodbye to everybody, mm. and then he would go to a local. Cafe, uh, uh, coffee shop and continue to work but his he wanted to model the behavior of leaving early and and tell everybody that it's okay to leave early so both of those were really powerful um examples of connected and leading by example for me and um and being approachable because people because if you're out in the plant because you know there's this there's a hierarchies right and you know it's an older company been around a long time well the president was the one who got the special parking spot you know up front yeah. and drove the fancy car and you never you don't speak to until you're spoken to well all of a sudden when the president starts going out in the plant and grabbing a broom and sweeping up potatoes with somebody else all of a sudden he's he's not the president he's Phil yeah um, and that changes the world. What I like about that is uh, he's an introvert, but he's working around that by just using physicality, Mm. walking around, Mm -hmm. you know, even though he's not going home, he leaves so that everybody else Mm -hmm. will. Mm -hmm. I really like that because there's a situation and it's going to run into our, our next point. If you're not good at communications, there's other things you can do. Mm-hmm. And and he, that physicality really is mm-hmm. a wonderful thing. So the next one is uh, you really, I always appreciate a, a leader or a manager that has good communication, even when the message isn't a good one. I'd rather just hear it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, good, bad, whatever. You can't, you can't fluff this off. You can't not say anything. And, and I can, I think the two of us can go back years and years and decades and, and where we've worked for somebody and it's like something needed to be said and they just didn't say it. Well, those first two really fit because, you know, as my example, um, if you know someone, and we say this in every podcast, know your people, and if they know you, then you can be honest and they trust you when things are good, then are going to be bad. So, so yeah, we had tough messages at times, um, you know, depending on production schedules and what was going on that. But because we were out there and people knew us, because I would go on the plant too. It was just one of the things I would do too. And, and we would, we would uh, just, because we felt that everybody was a part of the team. But then, then when, you, when you had to communicate the tough messages in particular, um, people trusted you. You had the cred. Yeah, yeah, had the cred, for sure. And be clear about where we're, where we're going or whatever. Uh, especially in my police career, there were people that were really, really good at this. And there's other people that's like, where are they? Hello, what are we doing? You've been in charge of us for two months and we have no sense whether we're changing direction or, or whatever. But it was those people, the good examples, uh, especially my police experience, I find in this type of thing probably had the best examples for me. There was just some incredible people. Listen, this is what's important right now. This is what's in our yearly goals. This is where the way the police service is, this is a priority for us. And so that's, this is how it applies to us. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Like whether I agreed with it or was unhappy with it or happy with it, didn't matter. At least I knew what was expected. And I, it was a really good example. And then there's other people that, you know, they're your boss for a year and a half and you've never even talked to them. You just don't know. Like, are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? I don't know. I mean, everything we did was important, but mm-hmm. was it what we're supposed to be doing? 
Yeah, you know, it's so interesting because uh, I've I've shared that uh, Campbell's definitely had a really clear vision. That, I'm trying to figure out why you left there, buddy. You yeah, talk yeah. about it all the time. Honestly, yeah, it was just, there's that cha- things changed and going forward, but I do miss that. You changed, Greg. Yeah, I did. But even before that, I worked at Marriott and Marriott Hotels. Uh, I was just at a session the other day on well-being and, and someone from Marriott spoke and they were talking about the kinds of things that they do in their hotel, in the organization, specifically around this, around clarity and clarity not on just where we're going, but clarity on what your role is and how you can play a part in in being it, which kind of leads into probably the next one around, are you a part of the team? So being clear about where you're going, but also clear about what your role is. And as I was listening to this person talk about Marriott, I remember that in Marriott 20 years, 25 years ago. Um, but again, Mr. and Mrs. Merritt, who founded the hotel and their their kids and the people that they hired, this was all about how do you engage your people to do get give get them engaged, get them involved of where they're going, and it, it's still alive. You go to you go into Marriott, most Marriott hotels, you will feel this. It, they're very clear of the direction where they're going, and they're very clear about what role you can play and how you can become part of this community driving it forward. And that next one, which is your, where, where you feel like you're all part of the team, boy, they do that really well. Yeah, that's something when there's a lot of communication, you feel more a part of the team mm-hmm. than if there's no communication, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that leads to kind of the next point, and you kind of touched on it a couple minutes ago. The good leaders are the ones that you feel that you can trust, and they trust you. I agree. And the next one is they say what they mean and they mean what they say. And that's one of the key components of uh, trust. Of trust. I, I was just reading a study that, that this, uh, this afternoon, and then I heard it again in another meeting that I was in, and it talked about what's the number one, oh yeah, it was around accountability. Uh, and it was around values, and they were doing some survey work and understanding what exactly is the their this this organization's definite definition of accountability. And it says, well, accountability is we would believe there's accountabilities when our leaders took responsibility for the things they did wrong and as well as the things they did right. And that was this is a big imagine that this is a big organization that's spinning out of control. I'm not involved in this. One of my partners is that was really spinning out of control culturally. And the one thing it was about taking ownership. And it's about, you know, not only saying what they mean and meaning what they say, but also taking accountability for the good and the the best, the good decisions you made, but also the things that you didn't make very well. Well, that rolls into the next one. They're real people who can admit when oh. they make a mistake and understand other people that other people make mistakes as well. Dude, dude, it's like you read this. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness. I know you didn't. <laughs> I, did, I didn't. I didn't. But it goes to show that these are these are very common truths. And it's a tapestry too, right? It is. It is. And you know, that that um you know, we talked earlier about one of my three things was like this anger thing. And you know, um, this one is the opposite of that. You know, stuff happens. And you can be uh, frustrated with something, you can be concerned with something, but how do you show up, especially when someone makes a mistake? That's so important. Because if, if it is, okay, let's sit down and find out what exactly happened, and let's make sure we learn from this, and you, you've got someone then fired up that will, will take it to the next level. So how you deal with those things is really key. And the next one is they trust you to do the job. There's check-ins, they're open if there's any issues. 
I've said it before. I don't like to be micromanaged. It's just not in my personality. I'm a five on, uh, in that, what's it called? Enneagram. Enneagram. Like leave me the, you know, the alone. Just let me do what I need to do. Are you available? All this stuff. And, and that trust, like when people don't trust you, it real that's it. it. It's, it creates such a barrier between you and your boss. I agree. And, you know, we've, we've talked about this on other, uh, other episodes, this uh, idea of situational leadership that's been around for like eons and it basically talks about will and skill and there's four buckets, four quadrants, but you know, it's a simple method for you to think about each of your people because there are some people who actually do need more more of your direction, depending on where they are. It depends on the role as well. Right. Depends on the role and where they are in their careers. But then there are a lot of people and the goal is actually to move it to the space where they have enough direction and then give them space. Because most of us with learning and support can get to that place. And and it is a much better place. If you have all people that are in a space where they they get what they need to do, they're passionate about what they need to do, and they're equipped to do it, man, oh man, then those are the best leaders because they've created this environment, this space where people can just be themselves and be the best they can be. Guess what? You're going to get great results. Oh, that's cool. And this next one, I'm going to bleep out what I say, so I'm going to say you can't... You just can't be. Mm-hmm. And we've both worked for people that are that, that are just nasty sometimes. And that anger might come into it. And people that are like so old school or just think they're above whatever expectations there are in the workplace. I've worked for a few of them and I've seen other people work for them. And it's like, yeah, uh, you're not going to have a lot of loyalty or trust in your people and people are going to do what they have to do no more, no less. Yeah. And you know what? There, there are narcissists out there. Like there are really bad leaders. Uh, the the two or three that I was thinking about weren't narcissists. They were either um, over their head or they had lost a bit of their way. But you know they were they weren't bad people. They're just uh, you know lost the pathway and or had had been trained under leaders that uh, did behave in those ways. So they didn't have good examples. Didn't ex- good examples with regards to it. But anybody can change. Anybody can grow. That's one thing about emo- emotional intelligence, which a lot of this is based upon. If you have stronger emotional intelligence, you become a better leader. It is something you can grow. Um, I always remember one leader that I worked with was the most empathetic and amazing leader that I ever met. And when I first started talking, I says, I, you know, you were just, you're just so empathetic and you really are compassionate. You're a great leader. You have great results. And he says, well, you know what's funny, Greg, five years ago, I did one of those empathy r- reports or studies assessments, and I came back below zero. He said, innately, I'm not empathetic. Mm. And, but I knew that this was important. So I built the skills I forced myself to ask the questions. I had reminders in place for me to dive deeper, to create the space. I I like to be in my office, but I forced myself to get out of the office and walk around and connect with people. And say hi. And say hi. So he said, it took me a long time to shift my behaviors. And when I get stressed, um, I feel myself pulling back, but I push into it. I lean into it. Uh, and as a result, this person in the organization they were with had top line bottom line, market share, best in the globe for the company. And his big aha was just that he needed to shift to create space for others to be connected with and to make it better. So, And what I like about that story and what I like about the people I've worked with and worked for is that 
when you make an effort, if you're deficient in some way or there's something you're just not good at and you make an honest attempt to make yourself better at that, to, you know, be more emotionally available and to listen to people and get out from under the ledger and all that stuff. People love that. They will, they will cross whatever uh, divide there is between you and, and, and walk with you on that. Like people love it when they go, Oh, Greg, Greg's not very good at talking to people, but he's really trying. So I'm going to put myself out there to help him along. And, and I appreciate that, you know, Greg's really good at this other thing. And I love talking to him about that, but He's not really a good talker about everything else. And I just appreciate that he's trying. He's fumbling a little bit. It's a little bit awkward, but I'm going to meet him there. Mm -hmm. And that's the wonderful thing when you have a really good working environment and you're working for a boss. Because, you know, as a boss, I have a whole bunch of deficiencies as well. Mm -hmm. I know what they are. Mm -hmm. uh, and I try. And what I, I think people have always appreciated that I am trying to do that thing. And they meet you there. And yeah. that's what, that's trust. That's confidence. And it creates a relationship so we can get done whatever it is that we have to get done. Agree 100%. And you're, then you're modeling it for them. Because they uh, might have deficiencies yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if, well, if, he can, if he, they can do it, then, then I can do it. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Um, wrap up, Greg. Yeah, the only thing I would say on this one is, you know what? Um, it's up to you. And you might be saying there, and this is where might one of these crunchy things, you might be sitting there saying, well, you know, Greg, but I'm just not that kind of a person. I'm not innately that way. Well, I, I, I call bull crap because uh, it's your choice to do what you want to do. It's going to be a lot of bleeping out on <laughs> yeah, this yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but because honestly, um, we all have our lanes, our ruts that we are in. And uh, there is enough data now that will tell you that the things that we talked about uh, are the things that create great environments and great results. And guess what? It'll be so much better for you. It might, it'll be tough up front. If this is not your innate way to doing things, it'll be tough up front. It'll be a, a little bit of a slog, but that you will reach a point where it clicks over and it's actually uh, a joyful thing to be a part of. Um, so I, I just think, you know what, this is just, this is a choice thing you can decide. And, you know, if you decide to, to not do this, and become the folks that we talked about that are all hooked into their ego, uh, the folks that uh, aren't aren't there, the folks that are ghosting. Or just fail at this. Yeah, you know what? Um, you can do it, but you're not going to last. And or the people aren't going to last. The people aren't going to last. And and it won't be a good place for you either. So uh, I, it's a choice. And just just make the right choice. This is one of these episodes where I think back and I just appreciate those people that we're really good at this stuff or trying really hard at this stuff, like mm -hmm. genuinely mm -hmm. trying at these things. And I, you know what? I also appreciate the people that just failed miserably. And, uh, one of the things that we've talked about is moving on and forgiveness and, and all that stuff that is really important. But, um, uh, you're right. This is a choice. And, uh, every time I've had an opportunity to lead people, uh, and it's been on and off for like 30 something years. I've always appreciated after the fact when I've moved on or done whatever going, what went well there? Mm -hmm. What did not go mm -hmm. so well there? Mm -hmm. What if there's another opportunity or whatever, what do I need to do better? Mm -hmm. And, uh, this is one of those episodes that for me is very experiential. And I appreciate all those people, the people that did a terrible job, mm -hmm. the people that tried really hard and those, that handful of people that were just golden in this stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and some of those people, I think they're, 
some of those folks are like you talked about the people that had to start and, and work on it and work mm-hmm. on it hard. Like, I don't think they originally had those skills mm-hmm. or that approach. So I really appreciate this one. And I appreciate the deficiencies I have that I still have and the lessons that I've learned along the way. And, you know, some of the courses I took like that, that two day uh, communications lab in, in the police, the communications lab, I had to take it in, in when I went to school for social work and, and the training I received in group homes and on specialty courses. And, you know, every time you took one of those courses, you learned a little bit, something Mm -hmm. more about what should be going on, but also about yourself. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I really like that example where you talked about somebody that wasn't good at something. So they surrounded themselves with like a, a two IC, somebody else, Mm -hmm. like a a lower level manager to help them with that, with to bridge that gap or a really good EA or something like that, that they knew that, listen, I need to work on this, but in the meantime, Mm -hmm. this is a disaster unless I do something, Mm -hmm. put things into place Mm -hmm. to make sure that things take place and conversations take place and nothing gets dropped. So I really like this, this, um, this episode, uh, uh, I think about, you know, some of the stuff that I've done or haven't done. And also, I, I just appreciate all those people. Mm-hmm, I agree. So, folks, uh, we hope some of what we've spoken about you find helpful. We hope that you didn't find anything we spoke of offensive or made you really angry. This is the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For your philosophy. So, Greg. my philosophy is that when my first coach, uh, when started, we started coaching, she said, Greg, you know, there are times when we're going to be talking that we're going to uh, have some conversations and you're going to feel kind of crunchy. You're going to feel kind of peeved at me of something I said. It's going to create churn within you. And there are other times when you're going to feel joy and get excited about stuff. Um, and and I think I had some churn in this episode. Uh, might have been. Might have been. And she said, but, you know, the, the key is they're just indicators. And they're indicators of opportunities for growth in both those circumstances. So if there was something that we talked about today that got you churning and got you feeling crunchy, just pause a bit and say, hmm, why, why did that make me feel crunchy and churny? And is there in anything in here that I can learn and to apply? Was there something I need to challenge myself on more or push into a little bit more? So we really hope that uh, we create a little bit of churn and a little bit of joy and both with the intention of helping you grow and uh, become a stronger leader and team member. That was awesome. Yeah, thank you. Shout out? Shout outs. I think we're having to go for a double. Okay. This is Ontario Day. We're in the province of Ontario. Wow. Thorndale, which is near London. Okay, nice. And Pushlink, which I believe is near Guelph. Yes, it is. I I think I've driven through Pushlink before, and uh, um, I don't know if I've heard of the other place. I hadn't. I had to look it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, welcome. It's it's nice to have. You know, we we have had folks from across the world in India and Germany and. Singapore and Australia and a couple of different places, but it's also nice to have people close to home. So welcome. Yeah, we have uh, international listeners that listen every week. And then we have uh, other groups just kind of pop in from time to time or, you know, pop in and download a couple hundred episodes and then we don't hear from them again. But it is nice that kind of the home team also has been picking up on this and you know you and I are both we spent most of our lives in Ontario mm-hmm. so you know we kind of relatable that way but mm-hmm. yeah it's nice to see such a cross-section of people listening to us and uh gives me a lot to think about when we're putting these things together producing them I agree I agree so folks take the time with the people you work with they're an important part of your job your success or your failure talk to you next time take care <laughs>